Your Story with Melinda Estabrooks, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Listen for new episodes every Monday and subscribe to the podcast at faithstrongtoday.com. Our stories have the power to connect us, to inspire us, and give us courage. On Your Story with Melinda, your story matters. Well, welcome to another great conversation and storytelling right here on Your Story with Melinda. And I have a very special guest and friend with me here in the studio, Krista Hesslink. Krista is a pastor in the BIC denomination. She's the director of the Next Generation of Engagement. She's a wonderful, powerful speaker, an advocate for the most vulnerable, a mentor. And just recently, she is the author of Life's Great Dare, Risking It All for the Abundant Life. And you're guaranteed that after you hear our conversation, you're going to risk it all. (laughs) You will for the abundant life. Krista, welcome to the show. Thank you, Melinda. It's so exciting. So hopefully this is the first of many books you're going to be writing. Well, hopefully, maybe. We never know. (laughs) Well, let's start with this. So you've written this book, Life's Great Dare, Mm -hmm. Risking It All. It has to come from someplace mm-hmm. personally for you because mm-hmm. you don't write this unless you've risked something, mm-hmm. um, you've you've dared in some way. Let's start from the beginning, hear about you and your story, and mm-hmm. then find out a little bit later in our conversation where God is leading you and what you're doing now. So let's sure. start from the beginning. Okay. Well, I was born in Kitchener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Essentially, the book was birthed out of a really painful season in my life in my mid-20s. And I'm not in my mid-20s anymore. This has been quite a while. I'm not. (laughs) This has been quite a while. I grew up in a really sort of idyllic childhood. You know, my parents loved me, have a brother, loves me, and uh, went to school and had a really great experience. And so when I hit my mid-20s, I was in my prime. Mm -hmm. I was working at a church in Rochester, New York, uh, in the youth ministry. And it was a couple of days before Christmas. I was 24, and I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And, you know, as a healthy young person, that sort of rocks your world. Mm -hmm. And I remember in those moments feeling like this is big and this is hard. Um, And especially when I started chemotherapy and radiation and lose all your hair. I mean, that's really, really hard stuff. But Mm -hmm. I remember thinking this is going to be done in like six months the prognosis is great, and then I'm going to have a really great story to tell. Yeah, And that's kind of how I was approaching things and just sort of, it was hard, but it, I was sort of going in that, in that way. And then a couple of months after I was diagnosed and had already started treatment, my world came crashing down because my brother, my only sibling, was killed in a car accident a day before his 23rd birthday. <sighs> and that was the day that everything sort of broke for me. That's the day uh, I didn't, I didn't know what side was up, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and I didn't know if the colors would come back into my life because everything just drained away completely. And I think what was most difficult was that my, my experience of God in that season felt like he had abandoned me. Mm -hmm. So when you ask sort of like, what's your story and where did this where did this book get birthed from? It was from that season. Although I would say I've, I would have never thought that that dark time mm-hmm. in my life, that very broken time and that sort of painful isolation would actually turn into something that is, is beautiful and more whole mm-hmm. and healed. And so I sit on this side of that time feeling very, very grateful and the, that's where the that's why the book has been written is because I've been transformed from a really dark 
difficult, painful place to a completely different place. And mm-hmm. I'm, that's a miracle to me. And I'm fascinated, yeah. I'm fascinated by that. And I'm totally enamored with the thought of transformation because I see it in the big parts of our lives. And then in the, in the little yeah. things, it's like, I want to change all the time. Yeah. Well, most people, Krista, wouldn't see it that way. Like for you, how long, I mean, again, mm-hmm. grief and pain mm-hmm. last for a mm-hmm. long time. And some people say a lifetime in, in yes. waves and in moments. So when that happened, how long were you were you going through chemotherapy and mm-hmm. how long did it take to mm-hmm. get through that? And, and then what happened after you decided sure. to do? So, so my brother died in April and I did not finish my treatment until September. Wow. So okay. that whole spring and summer and into the fall, you know, if anyone has, who's watching has been through chemotherapy, they know that it just gets harder and harder. Your body gets weaker and weaker. And I just became sadder and sadder and more more distance. I had never experienced grief in, in any capacity to that extent. So it took me by surprise at how total it was. And I just, I, I felt like I was dissolving into the dark with with no one really there. So when I finished my treatment, I really was hoping that I would continue working. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, I can't lose everything. I'm 25 years old now. I can't lose everything. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I knew I couldn't work. So I quit my job in Rochester and I moved back home. And to be quite honest, Melinda, I felt like, I felt like a 10 year old. I felt like my whole life was, was done. And I needed to get used to being a a sister without a sibling. I needed to get used to being a a cancer survivor, but I didn't feel like I'd hardly survived anything because I was just obliterated. Mm -hmm. So I lived at home with my folks for maybe seven or eight months um, after I moved back and, and wasn't sure that life would continue. It was a very difficult time, mm-hmm. but it was a really restorative time in many ways that when I look back, because I see, I didn't see it at the time. I certainly would have recogni- not recognized it as God's compassion and grace, but there were, there were people that were put into my life. There were, you know, I saw a therapist that was just so important. Mm-hmm. Um, my friends who were surrounding me, you know, were, were just giving me the space and permission and then the next job that I found, you know, feels miraculous in many ways because I really thought I would never work again. Really? Uh-huh. And so when I, the following summer, when I, when I started working at Redeemer University College in Ancaster, you know, that was like getting my feet under me again. Mm-hmm. Krista, when you're in that space, because for a lot of people, mm-hmm. it's like a decision like this way or that. Mm-hmm. Because you could either have said, you know what, God? I'm done with you. Mm-hmm. How could you have taken my brother? How mm-hmm. could I have gotten cancer? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm a good person. Right. I haven't done anything crazy. Right. Like, I'm like... Yeah, I hadn't, hit, I had, I hadn't hit my rebellion years. Yes, I, st- I still haven't. Right. <laughs> well, maybe after. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I mean, like, so people could be like, you know, God, that's not fair. I'm going to be angry with you. Yeah. And then other people have said, you know what? Yes, this is going to be a story I'm going to learn. Uh-huh. For you, what what was it? Was it an innate sense of character of God? Or was it, like you said, mm-hmm. like community? Like, what was it for you yeah. where you didn't go that way? You know what I mean? Where yeah. you were like, and then stayed that way the yeah. rest of your life, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It, I sometimes ask myself that question. I wish I had like a really specific answer because I think if we all had like the, the silver bullet answer, right. then it would be great, yeah. you know? You know, I, I, I don't want to cheapen it up by just saying it, it's grace in my life because mm-hmm. I think anyone who's hearing that who would say I haven't experienced that, they are, they're asking, well, where's grace for me? Mm-hmm. I don't think that's fair. What I would say is that I actually did walk away from God. But what it, what it was was I was walking away from my understanding of who God was in times of pain. 
Now, that felt like I was walking away, and it felt like God had walked away. Mm-hmm. But really what was happening was I was I was learning through very difficult circumstances that that God actually never leaves, but it's okay that we have to abandon some of our ideas about him. Mm-hmm. And so the idea mm-hmm. that I had to abandon, I guess you could say, was that I thought, based on, you know, I think things I'd heard, things I'd, I'd, I'd been raised in the church, that the presence of pain must mean the absence of God. And the absence of pain means that you have comfort and joy and peace. So people would be saying, I would be, I'm praying for the deep peace of God in your life. Or I hope that you experience comfort and compassion in ways that you haven't. And I was like, I don't experience any of that. Like Mm -hmm. I'm only breathing. That's the only thing I can say is happening in my life right now. And so it felt like a slap in the face. And it felt like this idea of Jesus weeping alongside me was not true because there was no consolation. I was so, so devastated by my life. So I was deconstructing my idea of who God was, and it felt like abandonment. I always was asking God in sort of sometimes fits of anger and fits of sadness and fits of like just confusion, just, I don't need you to take the sadness away. I just want you to show up. So even in that, I think there was this underlying belief that there was something, someone bigger than mm-hmm. me that I needed. But it was this you know, year's worth of really trying to understand God in a way that fit with my experience. Yeah. It's like my experience forced me to, to abandon some of my maybe naive, immature ideas of God and develop a more thorough, robust, sensitive and sensible understanding of who God is, which, which means now I I do see that God is always in the process of pulling us out of that pit. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that the pit isn't really, really bad and yeah. really, really hard. You know what I love, Krista, as you share, just the honesty of that. I think for some people who do follow Jesus mm-hmm. or you know, Christ followers, mm-hmm. Christians, mm-hmm. there's always a sense that we have to front yeah. with one another in community or even with God. Like, mm-hmm. you know, everything's okay. Like, yeah, yeah I really believe. Mm-hmm. And it's like if they're actually honest mm-hmm. – you know, like what you're saying, mm-hmm. that's healthy. And it's yeah. not like God can't handle it. It's no. not like God can't handle your questions mm-hmm. and pain. And even I love that the deconstructing of who you mm-hmm. think he is, who you are. Mm-hmm. That's really healthy. I think it's a really yeah. healthy way to look at pain and grief. Mm-hmm. And and even not, even just when people have said, you know, where is God? I don't sense mm-hmm. him. I don't feel mm-hmm. him. I don't get when people mm-hmm. say, oh, the presence of the Lord is in this place. Right, like, right. what does that mean? Right. I, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's healthy. I think yeah. that's where you can actually get a sense of who God is because in those places mm-hmm. I've felt in my own life, God has showed up, mm-hmm. whether it's through people, mm-hmm. something I've seen around me, mm-hmm. uh, a word from a stranger that mm-hmm. just was like rocked me and said, whoa, yes, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really a healthy approach. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's always in the looking back. So when you say like, what was it? Where, where was the fork in the road where you chose mm-hmm. to? It's like in the moment, I have no idea. Yeah. When I look back... I can see the slow, miraculous, beautiful unfolding of being transformed through very, very difficult circumstances. And some of the things I've been learning and thinking about as I was writing the book was in order for something to be reborn, something must die. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, this rebirth of myself as a flourishing individual, but my rebirth as as who, who God is it came out of a place of death that that idea of who God was had to die in some ways. Mm -hmm. And anytime you get brought to a place of death, you know, of a death of a dream, 
um, you know, death of a, of a family member, whatever it happens to be, death of your hopes, that experience of death to surrender into that is a very, very vulnerable place. Yeah. So there was many years of just feeling that fragility and that vulnerability. And, and so of course I, I still am coping with the loss of my brother mm-hmm. and there's, there's good, good ways of trying to process my, my grief that I've learned over time that, you know, if you want to live well, you need to mourn well. Mm-hmm. So I, I still work at mourning the loss of my brother, but I, I do it from a place of having a very keen awareness that God has not abandoned me. Yeah, that's really, really good. So here you are, you know, you're the grief of, you know, your brother, mm-hmm. cancer survivor, mm-hmm. you know, you're at home, you mm-hmm. go back home, mm-hmm. you get a new job. Mm-hmm. Where does it begin or, mm-hmm. you know, or the passion of, I think, the dare of saying, okay, I want to, I mean, because here you are now. Yes leader, a mentor, mm-hmm. a speaker, an mm-hmm. author. And if you looked back here, mm-hmm. if anybody was looking outside, they would have said, mm, I don't know. That's where she's going to end up. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. The way things are going, I don't know. Yeah. How, sure. What was sort of the process and sort of thread mm-hmm. to get where you're mm-hmm. where you're at? Really like a, a woman in leadership, mm-hmm. empowering and mentoring young people, mm-hmm. and writing a book on life's great dare, and risking it all for the abundant life when many right. people would be like, I don't know. I didn't see abundance yes, then. Yes. And that's what you're talking yes, about, right? Yeah. I wish, again, I wish there was like one specific, like, and this is what happened. And then it would The one gold and nugget, it, here you go. Right. And it all just unfolded. <laughs> right. So do that. No, it wasn't like that. I would say what is very interesting about my experience is when I reflect back in the book, I, I say this, uh, I give this example of, or the story of when I had a dream that I really felt like God sort of gave to me, mm-hmm. which I don't have very happen very often, but when they do, it's like it's significant. Yeah. And essentially the dream was that I was a pine tree cut right down. Mm-hmm. And so there was nothing above ground, it, but I knew that there was this root system intact. And then out of this pine tree that had been cut down, a, a leafy tree grew. So something completely new grew, but it was growing out of that same root system. So when you ask about leader, mentor, when I think about being you know, pre-cancer, pre-my brother passing away, so in my late teens and early 20s, I was doing leadership. You know, I was identified as a leader. I was mentoring young people because I was a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. So God has a way of preserving the gifts and the things that make you you. But he He takes everything, all the good and all the hard stuff, and is is working and redeeming. So, so I would say that's part of mm-hmm. it. You know, how did I get to be where I am? Well, I've kind of always been in some ways like this. Yeah. Again, I think there's just when I think about the great dare of life, which I think is is surrendering to God's transformation in our lives. I know for me, uh, I've always been one of those people, probably a little anal and annoying at times. Mm-hmm. But it's like I'm a little. I want to be intentional about being the better version of myself. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to grow into what God has for me, and I'm becoming more aware of the adventure of this life. Yeah, that he has right. us on. Yeah. So I want to learn how to live into that adventure, but I'm discovering that in order to do that, in order to live into this abundance that he has for us, abundance being more love, more joy, more peace, more wholeness, mm-hmm. I have to surrender and be vulnerable for him to transform those places that are getting in the way of being that having this abundance. Yeah. And so I feel like over the last maybe 10 years, I've just, I've been learning that pattern of if I want to have the best life, the most abundant life that God has for me, I have to be willing to be transformed. I have to be willing to, and and God isn't transforming me because he can't, like he needs me to be more perfect so that he can love me more. Mm -hmm. 
And I think I always thought that. It's like God is in really? the business. Yeah. I did. I think like, God mm. always is in the business of transformation to make me more like his son. Yeah. Because then he can love me more. Like I'll be more perfect. So, he can so we're not more. separated. Right. By so, all right. That right. It, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the mm. closing of that gap. I think a lot of people believe that. Though. Well, I think so too. And I, oh. I was certainly one. So yeah, the closing of the gap is more for God's sake than it is for mine. Mm. But my, what I've discovered and what I'm discovering is what if God is transforming me so that I can experience his love more perfectly? Because he can't love me mm, anymore. Totally different perspective. It's, yeah. So he can't love me any more yeah. than he does right now. So why is he transforming me? He's transforming me because he loves me and he loves you. And he wants us to experience his love more perfectly. That's, his peace yeah, more perfectly. That's amazing. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, then I'll sign up for transformation. Yeah. I'll sign up whereas, to do that work. Yeah. Whereas when you say transformation, people are like, oh. Right? Oh. And like, it's almost like when you say that, people like, yes. it's just like burden. Yes. And, and it's, it's hard. Yes. And people are like, oh, I know. It's going to be a lot of work. But I think when you link to transformation means. Yes. Right? It means like, oh, I can then understand and know yeah. God's love. Better. Perfectly and better. It's like. Well, that's a great motivation. Yes. But and we've never taught that. That's right. No one's ever really shared that mm-hmm. perspective. It has mm-hmm. always been, we are so sinful, we are yes, separated. Right. And that's why he's doing it so right. that he can move to me. Right. And, and, that's, and that's good. And the gap does close, obviously, but yeah. in the sense of when I am more healed from those broken places in me, which is what transformation is about, healing the broken places, mm-hmm. right? Redeeming and restoring. When those things are healed then the capacity for me to experience more love for myself, more love for God, more love for others, and more love for his creation, that's the end game. That's mm-hmm. this, this message of reconciliation that we hear about in scripture. Mm-hmm. So, so when I wrote the book, it's based on that. It's like I've experienced transformation in a very profound way in my life from like face down in the death zone to freedom and flourishing. Mm-hmm. But I also want transformation in the, in the minutia of my life. And, I, and as a pastor, I've sat across from people all the time, which is basically saying, I want this, I'm this place right now, and I want to be in this place right now. And where's God in the middle? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's the question of transformation. So the book around, why did I call it Life's Great Dare? It's because risking it all for the abundant life feels like a dare. Right. It feels <laughs> like you want to throw it in your mouth a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? It's like you're, you know, you're, you're on the edge, and you're, you're being invited to surrender the things that you hold on to control of the things that are getting in the way Mm -hmm. and that feels vulnerable to the point where you feel like you're kind of dying. Yeah. Right. And kind of feel sick and you get a little anxious and you're like, but knowing that what you're saying, it's like, but it's worth it. Yeah. Because it leads to rebirth and rebirth always leads to freedom and freedom always leads to love. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. You have a ton of stories in the book Mm -hmm. out of all of those. What would you say was the most riskiest or mm. the mo- the one that like had your heart just like mm. <gasps> out of all those because there's there's a lot of things you've done a lot of adventures a sure. lot of like you know yeah great moments yeah so what would you say is your that one hmm. well the the one that gets my heart pumping the most is probably the story of bungee jumping in South Africa <laughs> makes me like, yeah yeah so that's that feeling of I use the word exhilaration because exhilaration if you look up the definition is both exciting and terrifying yeah, yeah. it's like this combination so like yes this. so you're right so for me there was this like aliveness mm-hmm. and freedom I mean you're like you're free falling so it's the epitome of freedom but it's terrifying yeah it's it's you're losing control and there's this this deep sort of scream of vulnerability coursing through mm-hmm. your body. And so that to me is the, the one that comes to mind. I, I do think the other 
the other sort of adventure or the other story that I share a little bit of, I didn't, I didn't go into great deal in the book, is my solo walk across Spain on the Camino de Santiago. Yeah. And just the, the day in, day out nature of 800 kilometers one kilometer, one step at a time. Mm-hmm. It's it's not as exhilarating as a bungee jump, but it takes the same intentionality and fortitude and just just this keep going nature. And mm-hmm. that is transformation. It's like there are things that we are gonna we desperately crave to be transformed in our life. It won't happen mm-hmm. on this side. It, it's definitely gonna feel like it's a lifetime journey of, of yeah. being transformed. I mean, I have things in my life. But isn't that isn't that healthy though? I think when people feel like they've arrived, mm-hmm. and I've met some of those people, it's like no, right? But if you have this, the attitude and understanding that is lifelong transformation isn't just like here and no. then like five days later you're here, right? It's like a lifelong, you know, it's like the walk, it's like the camino, it's like the camino, it's exactly. Like, yep, you know, yeah. one foot after That's the other right. foot, going, going That's with right. your walking stick. That's right. And some <laughs> of, some of those some of the seasons of mm-hmm. of life, just like the some of those days on the camino are exhilarating and beautiful and easy and lovely and inspiring. And then there are other moments in life and on the Camino where it's like, I don't know if I can take another step. I'm huddled over my my knees, not sure I can get my feet in my boots. And I I feel like that's life, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like wouldn't it be beautiful if we could just if we could just say, do you know what? The journey of this is actually worth trying to take another step. It's Mm -hmm. the journey is just more rewarding even though it's painful, yeah. Then, then just saying I'm not moving at all ever again. Yeah, that's good. Now, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't take a break and you shouldn't take a rest. Yeah. You should learn how to embrace your pace, all those great things. The journey of life is the journey of, of living into the abundance. And I'm not talking about abundant life on the other side, right? I'm talking about like being fully human right now right in the most beautiful ways. That's good. Yeah. Now, you have a passion and a heart, and, and one of your roles now is to you know, develop young leaders. Yes. What would you say to a young person, mm. just a little younger than us, just a little <laughs> younger, who's watching or listening, thinking, I want to do this, you know, this whole life's great dare mm-hmm. kind of is resonating mm-hmm. with me, but I don't know how to start. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What, what does that mean? What, what do you do? You know, but neither mm-hmm. I'm a new Christian mm-hmm. or I'm exploring, I have questions about it all. Yes. I don't, the models of Christians haven't been the greatest. Yes. I don't know. Yes. Or I have been a Christian for so long and I'm just, the abundant life is always equated with money, fame, success. Uh-huh. When we, in mm-hmm. culture, we've said abundance means that. Yeah. Like I'm, I've, I've got the goods, I've got mm-hmm. the things. Mm-hmm. What would you say? What would be your sort of advice or, mm-hmm. or encouragement to them? Mm-hmm. To be quite honest, I think from, for, for, this is for everyone, but even particularly like a younger person who maybe hasn't had practice or experience with this is learning how to quiet yourself long enough to be still with yourself and just to say, God, what is it that you would want to change in me so that I can experience more of your love. But the quietness, honestly, Melinda, we are, I, I don't think, well, I, I wouldn't say this just about young people. I don't think people know how to sit with themselves. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of conversations with people about what would it be like to sit for five minutes tomorrow? Like just five, not praying, not a to-do list, no agenda, just just sit with yourself and breathe. And then maybe maybe over time get to 10 and maybe 15. And in those moments, just consent your spirit in the sense of saying, I, God, I want you to show me. What is it that you want to transform in me? Knowing that it's coming from a place of love, 
So depending on who I'm talking to, I think the first thing before I say, oh, you want to transform, let's talk about the, you know, you need to surrender and vulnerability, is it is helping people understand and tap into this idea that love is all around and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Some people have a hard time talking about God, you know, capital G, the divine, you know. Let's just pull it back to say the the source of our life is love. Let's let's talk about that. Let's dig into that. Let's discover how love is all around and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you can start a journey of transformation with a renewed understanding that you are loved just the way you are, and that any point of transformation is just to step into more of this love. Mm-hmm. Then it's done from a different place. I don't know. That's probably what I would say. No, I, and I don't think that's just for. And I said young people. Yeah, no. Of, but yeah. I'm thinking for anybody. No, like, exactly. I'm with you. I'm like, yeah. Oh, and now I'm thinking. <laughs> I need to. I need to sit for five minutes because again, our culture and society, mm-hmm. it's go go go. So productivity, yes, you know, is is what we look for. Mm-hmm. Being busy and active, whether in or outside the church, yeah. is sort of the marker of somebody who is giving to society. Mm-hmm. You are a worthwhile human yes. being because you're you're actively giving mm-hmm. towards the good, you know, the right. good of, of right. society. Right. Well, that's so counter yes. and countercultural yeah. what you're saying. Yes, yes. Because to sit and, and so I feel like then what ends up my experience has been and I definitely don't do this perfectly all the time. There's seasons where I'm a little bit better at being more still, but then any productivity is coming out of a very centered place and your motivation to be productive mm-hmm. comes out of a place of wanting of feeling loved and wanting to share love. Like love, I just believe that love always leads to more love. Yeah. So if I want my life to be led to more love, I want to do stuff, be productive and show more love, then it needs to start from a place of love. So the internship program that I that I run with young adults in the summer, we do three intentional experiments around solitude. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <sighs> I'm feeling it. Okay. Krista, where can we get your book and yes. know more about you? Everybody needs this book. Life's Great Dare, hmm. Risking It All for the Abundant Life. You need to go out and get this. But where can they get this and where mm-hmm. they where can they get to know you a bit sure. more as well? Sure. So I have a website. It's lifesgreatdare.com. Okay. And on there, you can find my blog and sort of where I get connected on social media, a Facebook page. We're going to be doing a summer book club and we're going to do it on the Facebook page. So okay. that's a great place. And then the book, you can get it on Amazon. You can, you can get it off my website if you want as well. But sometimes people can get free shipping because they <laughs> order lots of things on Amazon. So any, anywhere on Amazon, you can get it. Done. Mm-hmm. Well, Kristen, thank you so much. Thanks. And I, I think I'm ready. I mean, risking it all for the abundant life. Life's great, dear. Go get it on Amazon. And thank you so much. Yeah. What an inspiration. Thank, thank you for just your life and uh, how you inspire so many of us. So thanks mm-hmm. for being here. Thanks, Melinda. All right. Thanks for listening to Your Story with Melinda, an exclusive presentation of faithstrongtoday.com. Listen to past episodes by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes and join the conversation with Faith Strong Today on Facebook.